Wow. What a great Super Bowl. That was so amazing. You know, I went to school in San Francisco, went to UOP, uh, but I've loved watching the uh, Kansas City Chiefs play. Andy Reid, what a fantastic coach. And gosh, their quarterback, unbelievable. The thing I like about the Kansas City Chiefs is you don't have to watch the whole game. You can just tune into the fourth quarter and you know whether they're going to win or lose. Well, anyway, hope you all had a great Super Bowl weekend. Getting to our topic, at every clinical business of dentistry introductory course, when I hit the section on ridge preservation, I ask this simple question. How many of you are offering ridge preservation with every extraction? Now, I know we've talked about this. But last year, that percentage was roughly 17%. That's it, people. Only 17% are offering it on every extraction. Now, I'm not talking about baby teeth, okay? I'm talking about permanent teeth, and I'm not talking about third molars. I'm, I would be a huge fan of PRF if I was taking out third molars uh, or even a collagen bone uh, mix with a plug back there uh, to prevent trisocic, especially on the uh, lowers. But even those offices who are doing the procedure are leaving CDT codes and the respective fees on the table because they don't charge for what they do. We begin our podcast right there. Computers are live. Mixer is up. Levels are good. Equalizer is good. Ready channels one and two. Mic is live in three, two, one. Roll it. Welcome, listeners, to the My Practice, My Business podcast, where we teach dentists and their teams how to reclaim forgotten profitability in dentistry with our clinical business of dentistry training. And now, the host of our show, the clinical director at My Practice, My Business, Dr. Rob Thorup. I think we need to ask a few questions. How many of your patients are limited to the size of implants that you can choose from because of lack of bone, or how, or, or if you can even place an implant <laughs> into, a, into a site due to atrophy from the previous extraction. Every so often, I'll get a doc who will say that ridge preservation really doesn't work as well as the manufacturers say it does. Wow! <laughs> I'll say this. The only products that I've ever had an issue with are the biologics. I know a lot of you are going to freak out out there, but that's a true statement. There have been times when I have gone back into a zone one year after I placed an allograft, and the area is still just mush. I started out with alloplasts. Bioplant HTR was my product back in the day. And and then I got sucked into, oh, you should use allografts or better. And I got sucked in for a short period of time. And after I had that experience about a half a dozen times, I went right back to the synthetics. I have never had an implant failure with a synthetic bone placement. I'm not talking about placing implant and synthetic bone around it. I'm a big proponent to take the offended tooth out of there and place bone and let it heal up. Let it heal for a good four to six months and then go back in and place it. The only complaint is that synthetics will dull the surgical burrs in the implant kits much faster. I can live with that problem when that's my only problem. I'll gladly buy more burrs uh, with bone densities that result from the synthetics I use. I love 
the synthetics. Guidor is my go-to product now. Been, I've been using that for quite a while. I love it. Um, I know all of you have, have seen implants and bridges and dentures where bone has not been placed. I have so many pics of implants with what I call bone troughs around the implant. And those are the implants that typically fell. You know the ones that where an implant was buried five miles down into the jawbone because that's where they had to finally hit a layer of bone to be able to bury it into? Then I have pics of implants that were buried into synthetic ridge augmentations, and the height of the bone is at the same level as the adjacent teeth. I'm a believer in ridge preservation. My hygienists are believers, and they're grateful for our patients' periodontal health because of it. And our patients will probably never fully appreciate this procedure as much as we do, but they get it when given an educated option. That's where My Dental Docs comes into play. If you're not using My Dental Docs, you and your patients are missing out. Go to MyDentalDocs.com, sign up. I have several patients who have upper and lower dentures with exceptional fit and function. These patients, unfortunately for my job security, because I'd much rather place in a bunch of implants, uh, they have not needed implants to retain their dentures. Weird. And the only reason for this is the fact they elected to have ridge preservation along the way as they've missed teeth or all of them coming out at the time of their extractions. All of them have ridges that could be used for half pipes with Winter Olympics, or you could land a triple seven on their ridges. They're so strong, firm, huge. That's my stand-up comedy. You get the picture. The outcomes and options for implant placement increase significantly when we maintain optimal dimensions of the alveolar ridge by placing bone in the sockets following tooth removal. Without bone placement, you guys know the buccolingual and apical coronal aspects of the alveolar ridge quickly become compromised. It's been shown that the alveolar ridge loses about 50% of its original width and height if ridge preservation is not completed. That's a terrible amount of bone loss, which we as healthcare providers are causing when we don't offer this procedure to our patients. I implemented this procedure in my practice, gosh, back in 92, 1992, after attending an update course from uh, clinical research, which was Clinical Research Associates back in the day. Still don't know why they changed the name. And that was in Park City, Utah in the wintertime. And I hated going to the courses in the wintertime up there. But anyway, it was a great course and can honestly say that I have had less than a dozen patients opt out of alveolar ridge preservation since that time and just go with an extraction only. That's a huge case acceptance rate. Why? My dental docs, okay? The patient, it, it just teaches them why they need it, not just the, you know, the, you, you try to teach them the benefits. Oftentimes we just sell the features. We need to teach the benefits and why they need it. So case acceptance is simple for ridge preservation with my dental docs. Easy to do because the patient can learn the following from the treatment plan documents that you print out for them 
with our patent pending cloud-based system, okay? There are four key points that are on the documents we give them when we present this treatment to our patients. And if you, if you don't, you know, if you're not going to use the system, write this down. There's four key points. One, it maintains the periodontal integrity of the adjacent teeth. You don't see sloughing off into the implant zone or on a three-unit bridge where an extraction takes place. And you don't get the, you know, the, the bone sucked down on the adjacent teeth that also can cause sensitivity. Hygienists, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Two, it preserves the right for future implant placement. I've had so many patients throughout the years that we can't put implants in them because there's no bone there. And they certainly don't want to go through the, you know, take from the hip, the chin, wherever, try to grow bone. That's a nightmare and a half when you could have just placed bone in at the time of the extraction and voila. But it also maintains the ridge integrity for, guess what? Better implant options. So you're not putting in these little skinny minis and building the Taj Mahal on top of them. That becomes a nightmare for overhangs and the, the profile emergence coming off the implant is terrible on small implants. Labs hate you when you send those to them, okay? Four, it improves the fit for fixed and removable prosthetic options too, should the patient choose that as their option over an implant. I probably should add one more to this category, and it, it prevents facial collapse pretty much. Uh, I'm every little you know, indentation counts the older we get. I know I'm getting older. And it keeps old guys like me looking younger should I need to have a tooth removed, okay? So as I mentioned earlier, this past year in our clinical business of dentistry intro training courses, I have asked hundreds of offices if they routinely offer socket preservation, ridge preservation, ridge augmentation, whatever we want to call it. Everybody redefines it about every two to three years. To every one of their patients that they do an extraction on, especially second molars forward, such a small percentage of dentists are offering this procedure. And, and that honestly concerns me from a legal point of view. Let, let your mind race with this one, especially on the level of a class action lawsuit, the size that you can't even imagine. That could happen one day, and that scares me. Not me personally. It scares me with all of my colleagues out there, you guys, who aren't doing this. So being a private investigator that I am in the state of Utah, I naturally push buttons and I push questions. I search for the reason or reasons why my colleagues, all of you, would not offer this procedure to every patient that you treat with an extraction procedure. The answer most commonly uttered was not what I ever anticipated. The main reason, the common answer is fear. Again, that big fear word. What? Fear. We're dentists. We tackle head-on insurance nonsense. Patients who hate us but continue to keep coming back. Children screaming in our ears. Bite marks on our fingers. Insatiable employees and patients. And meeting payroll twice a month. What in this world does fear have to do with alveolar ridge preservation when we face all that other stuff on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis? So I, I asked, and the number one reason was the potential of rejection 
by the patient due to the cost of the procedure. And not just rejection, but the fear that they'll go elsewhere for their dental care. Why should we care? Well, everybody that's attended one of our courses knows exactly what I think of that nonsense. Hence our watermarked copyright term, the clinical business of dentistry. It's just fine to charge for what you do, to make a profit, to provide for you, your family, your team. This procedure is one of the greatest of your healthcare skills you can provide your patient. When your patient understands the why, why you're recommending ridge preservation, believe me, they will be happy to pay for it. They will almost always choose oral health care over corporate America when they become emotionally attached to that recommended treatment that you offered them. And as all of our clients will tell you, nothing teaches the why better than the treatment documents out of my dental docs. So the bottom line, you absolutely need to give your patients the choice because it absolutely should be their choice. So the four main codes you can charge your patients are as follows. D7210. Gosh, I hope that's right. Uh, Extraction, surgical, erupted tooth. I honestly don't know what a routine extraction is. Remember, I started out in medical before dental, uh, working EMS, emergency medical services. And so when I worked the ER, anytime a body part got removed from a patient, that was classified surgical. (laughs) (laughs) Not something else. Routine extraction. Hi, this is a routine amputation. Uh, This is a routine tissue removal. (laughs) Routine cyst removal. Oh, my gosh. No, surgical. Charge out the surgical code. Uh, D7953, bone replacement graft ridge preservation site. There's the code. used to be in the periodontal codes, but few years ago, they switched it over into the oral surgery codes. Of course, in the insurance companies, we're only reimbursing about 100 bucks, and that doesn't even cover the, the bone material. So they finally figured that out. Now it's around 250 275 is typical reimbursement for the Rocky Mountain states. Then there's D4266, guided tissue regeneration resorbable membrane. That's right. I remember, I remember uh, Gordon Christensen wrote an article uh, in... Oh, I can't remember which publication, but he mentioned that, you know, you don't need to put membrane over the synthetic bone anymore because it won't matter. And then I think Rella beat him up, and within the year, he was back to saying, no, you need to put a membrane over the bone because, it, yes, connective tissue will still grow down into it. Put a membrane over it, D4266. We don't want any any connective tissue growing down in there. We want to maintain that ridge height as best we can. And then D7911, complicated suture up to five centimeters because you're sewing a web over the top of that membrane to hold it in place. Now, some of you right now might be throwing a little tizzy fit because over me telling you to charge for suturing, you might say, but Dr. Rob, It says right in the CDT code book that anesthesia and suturing is to be included with the extraction codes. (laughs) Stay with me on this, people. This is your argument, and this wins every time. We're not charging those codes, the suturing code. We're not charging that for the extraction. We're charging that for ridge 
preservation and to hold the membrane in place for bone placement. And don't even get me started with anesthesia. Holy cow, that's a whole other topic. Here's your hint. Medical charges for suturing an anesthetic. You just need to know how to do it with dental. Take our course. We'll teach you how it's done. Those codes alone are worth thousands of dollars every year. The use of those codes alone makes this procedure of ridge preservation valued at over a thousand bucks in most states. There are four more codes that one can use that take the above procedure over $1,500 in most regions. Those additional codes are value-added procedures that we teach in the clinical business of dentistry, office manager, and team training courses here at My Practice, My Business. And like I said, when coupled with our explanation to the patient and informational documents from My Dental Docs, our patients rarely say no to this amazing procedure. Fear not, my friends and colleagues, you really do provide your patients with unbelievable products and services. And you should never feel guilty to be paid fairly for them. Fairly for them. If you want to learn more about the clinical business of dentistry and how to provide value-added services that you can offer your patients with need-based dentistry, services that insurance companies cannot regulate or control because of the doctor-patient relationship, and that it's always been legal and ethical and moral to charge for, and that the insurances actually taught us how to do it, give us a call. <laughs> Don't fight it any longer. Let that business light turn on in your head. Stop being just a dentist. Enjoy the business, the clinical business of dentistry. Dentistry is so much fun. So many cool things out there. Stop being fed with dental insurance misinformation and check us out. Give us a call. That'll be the best business decision you will make in your entire practicing career in dentistry. Thank you so much for tuning into the My Practice, My Business podcast. You can find additional podcasts you may have missed that will help you with your dental practice at Apple iTunes Podcasts. And remember to become a subscriber to our podcast. Many of you have asked how to help support the My Practice, My Business podcast. If you have enjoyed the program and information you received today, the best way to help is to leave us a five-star review. Thanks again for allowing us to be a part of your day.